Hello! Welcome, everyone, back to the Full Cup. I am Libby Switzer. It has been, oh, seven months, and I'm sitting here with Craig Berthold, my dad. How are you today, Dad? Uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. It has been quite a while. We've had quite a few people send in some messages asking, when are you going to do another podcast? I got this message through Instagram and it says they were asking if we're going to be doing a few more podcasts. And I said, yes, we're planning on recording more. Yay, thank you. This podcast is literally life-changing. My whole family is currently binging it and discovering things about ourselves we never would have known otherwise. Thank you for your time, your effort, and your wisdom. So wow. thanks, Dad. Well, thank you, Libby. It's all you doing this and putting this together. Well, thank you. you're welcome, but <clears throat> I don't have all the information. Here's another one. I don't have the words to express how grateful I am for both of you. Thank you for sharing profound knowledge and tools. Mine and my loved ones' lives have been improved, and I'm only on episode nine. Thank you. Wow. You're welcome, Lindsay. Um, hopefully, we can get a few more episodes out there because I know people are requesting them, but um, we're going to start right now. So, yeah. Okay. What are we talking about today, Dad? Well, I, I wanted to start back and kind of review very basically in the first couple of minutes some of the things that we've talked about before. Okay. That's a good and idea. And to, to review those, and then I'm going to address some different ideas and perspectives on dealing with those things, okay? A long time ago, I talked about the anchors and the lenses, which we call submodalities, and defensive templates. Uh, Freud first talked about defensive templates in 1896. He talked about defense mechanisms like flight, denial, sublimation, reaction formation. I don't know, 15 or 20 different kinds of ways we learn to protect ourselves. It became very popular in the 1920s. And then we jump until probably the 1980s and the neurolinguistic people came along and they said, well, they're a little bit more than that. Even though we have these defense mechanisms, uh, they referred to them as neurological unconscious defensive templated schematics. Yes. Remember, we talked about that, yes. right? And we're going to shorten that by just calling them DTs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have lenses. And I want to ask this question. Would you agree that the history that we've experienced in our life can create lenses or neural pathways in our brain that can affect how we view the world today. Yeah. So that's kind of like we all can have, I mean, we can all be members of the same family or the same church, but because of our experiences, we view them completely differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes that poses problems for a parent or a sibling or a neighbor because your perceptions is based upon your histories and that person's perceptions are based upon their other history. And sometimes we get into disagreements. Yes. Sometimes people war and get angry. Well, and we're just like, <laughs> how can you think that way? Well, because I had this happen to me. You know, we all are very different. Okay, so we've got those lenses or submodalities, neurological unconscious submodalities is what they were called years ago. We'll just shorten it to uh, lenses. And then we have anchors, like a song on the radio can remind me of a time and something pops up in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I promise you there's a tone of voice that your husband can use and all of a sudden you just grit your teeth and want to yell at him because what he said sounded just like your dad when you were a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never said anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you understand acres and DTs, defensive templates, how we learn to protect ourselves. In our last session several months ago, I talked about DTs and I talked about there's red and white DTs. And I'm going to go back to that for a moment and I'm going to spend a little bit more time in that today. Okay. okay. Uh, as you know, uh, I personally believe that the soul that each individual has is made up of the yin and the yang of Lao Tzu, 630 BC, or what the, the Christians call the body and the spirit. And uh, there's places where you can find it in the DNC 8815. You find the soul is made from a body and a spirit. A man by the name of David O. McKay said, the struggle between the body and the spirit, he calls it the duality of mankind. Yes. And he says that every human being struggles with the duality of mankind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I'm now going to use that address, and I'd like to talk about defensive templates for a moment. Some time ago, I, I talked about an animal 
a squirrel running across the field, a hawk comes out of the sky, swoops down to attack the squirrel. What does the squirrel do? He tries to run away. He squeals. He tries to bite the hawk. He yells. He calls to others. He tries to run in a hole. He tries to defend himself with the animal, Mm -hmm. just like all of us. And it is my belief that that's what we all learn the first 30 to 50 years of our lives. We learn to protect ourselves like an animal. If I said something mean to you, you might say, well, go to heck, Dad, I don't care. Or you might run away or get angry or or hit me or something like that. That's what we do as animals. We protect ourselves as animals. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to spend a little more time today in what I call the white defensive templates. We've been told these for 5,000 years for, from all of the theologians throughout our history. But we never called them DTs or defense mechanisms. But literally, our religions teach us these incredible ways of protecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk today about a number. There's literally hundreds of white, theological, religious, defensive templates that work so much better to protect ourselves. And I'd like to start just by repeating something. I think we talked about this last time, but I'm going to address it. I'm going to first demonstrate the part of me that's the temporal, the animal, the red part. And I'd like you to say something mean to me. Say, Dad, I hate your guts and you're being a jerk. Just say that to me, okay? I hate your guts and you're being a jerk. My response is the temporal, the animal. I can't believe you said that, Libby. Well, I'm so mad. I'm out of here. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you ever again. You've offended me. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to swear at you. I'm going to... And I protect myself. I'm going to call somebody and say bad things about you. Oh, yeah, I need to call the other squirrels out there and tell them how bad it was when the hawk attacked me. I'm just like the animal. We protect ourselves in all of these ways. I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to take a drug. I'm going to get high. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get drunk tonight because you've offended me so much to medicate my pain. We use all of these carnal, physical, temporal ways of protecting ourselves. Now, What our theologians have told us, and it appears that sometimes we're losing track of those, and that's, you'll hear me strongly encourage people to get after your faith, go back to your theologians, and recognize a whole bunch of different things that are extremely healthy and helpful defensive templates. So I'd like you to say the same thing to me again, and I'm only going to use two of them out of the theological perspective of, of Christianity, Ju- Judeo-Christian, e- even, even Lao Tzu and, and Buddha and Confucius would say things like this. But I'd like you to say it again, and I'm now going to use the white part. Okay. Not the, not the carnal, but the spiritual. Go ahead, say it again. I am so mad at you. I hate your guts. You're such a jerk. Traditionally, the temple would, what I demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go to, I, 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 I have this gift of agency. I'm not going to let what you said affect me. I know my Savior loves me no matter what. And I love me. And I absolutely love you. Now that I'm not going to let your stuff affect me and hurt me, I can love you more than I've ever loved you. Oh, my goodness. Two principles. Agency. I don't have to be affected by what you said. The problem is what you say may hit an old anchor in me from when I was a child. Maybe something my mother said to me 40 years ago. And you say the same thing and it riles up that same way of protecting myself that I used for years. And I've sent many, many deer down that pathway, Mm -hmm. creating those temporal defensive templates, the flesh protecting me because anchors are being triggered. But as I start to learn what the theologians have taught me, what Jesus Christ has taught me, the principle of agency, I don't have to let what you said affect me. I didn't yeah, know. but you could have said something really awful still. So, yes. and that's okay that it hurts you and it, right? Sure, but is that good sending a deer down the pathway of calling you names and screaming back at you? I guess I'm saying... If somebody hurts my feelings, sometimes I just want to be sad and upset and angry instead of just like, well, I don't have to let that bother me because what you maybe what you did was really awful. Yes, 
But what if you're following these two rules? The greatest gift first. I believe the greatest defensive template is agency. Mm -hmm. So are you going to let that hurt your feelings? Maybe. Not if you're an agent <laughs> unto yourself because you've practiced it and you've sent so many deer down the trail that when somebody says something, you go, eh. Do you remember, you're gonna, I'm going to tell you a story here in a minute about what I went through with my own mother and the things she used to say that would really hurt me. And once I got free from her, I wouldn't be hurt by her anymore. Yeah, I think that'll be good because I I even remember getting a message from someone just saying, how did Craig get free from his mother who had been so awful? Because that it almost seems impossible to do for a lot of people. Like when you are treated horribly as a child by someone or abused or whatever, how do you forgive that? And I feel like it might take years of therapy. And I know you have a lot of tools to help people with that. And you did it and you didn't go to therapy, but you did do a lot of work to do it. I'd like to spend several hours just addressing that. And yeah. we can do that <laughs> if you'd like to switch and go into all of the different ways to rescue that little girl who got her feelings hurt or that little boy who got his feelings hurt. By doing that, we're deepening the neural pathways that the theologians have told us. So the more times I get free, the more deer I send down the trail, the deeper the neuropath comes. But not only that, I'm going to have you go back and find you in the second grade, in the fourth grade, in the fifth grade. The last several days in my office, that's all I've been doing, is having people going back, finding the little girl inside of them, or mm -hmm. the little boy, or the 26-year-old, or the 40-year-old man who's mm -hmm. 58 today, and throwing his arms around the little boy, hugging him, telling him he's okay, and he bursts into tears. And I said, what would the little boy feel like if he could have you at 50? And he starts crying. He says, well, he can feel it. It affects him. I said, exactly. And you have the ability to rescue every one of those little children inside of you and teach them the new DTs, yeah. the white defensive templates. And each time you go there, you send more deer down. And after you go rescue 5, 10, 15, or 1,500, you'll find as soon as you rescue in that little girl that lives inside of you and you love her, do you want to go there or should I finish this and come no, back? No, you can finish that. I think, but I do think that that is important, especially right now, because I think a lot of people right now have felt really isolated and alone and looking for someone else to help them or save them or whatever. And I think that's really neat to think about how you can do that for yourself. And go back and do that. I promise you, we're going to get to this. And we have, Maybe we have done, today. we have done, we have gone back and, and helped the little girl and brought Christ in and all of that. And I think, I think it's just a good reminder. But I, I, I agree. I think we need to address everything you've just said. So you keep a note because today I'm setting a, a foundation that can set you up to protect, rescue, and take care of that little girl or that little boy that's still carrying or the adults. anchors. Not necessarily little. Yes. Yes. That's something that happened last week. Yeah. But what happens if you rescue the 10-year-old, then what you're going to say to the 10-year-old, once the 10-year-old feels, look, you've protected me, you've rescued me, you're going to say to the 10-year-old, now that I'm 50, or in your case, now that I'm 40, will you love me today? And listen to the little boy look at you at 10 and say, yeah, I do kind of love you. You're pretty mm -hmm. And think for a moment, if you thought for a moment, Libby, that every one of the little girls that you rescued came running in here, jumping up on you, saying, Libby, love you, love you, thank you for rescuing me. I feel so good. How would you feel today when you've now rescued the little child inside yeah, of you? That's pretty and good. what did you do? You did two, two, two. All thine afflictions shall be consecrated for thy gain. That's two, what two, two, second Nephi, chapter two, verse 20. Two, verse two. Verse two. Okay. two, two. There's two, 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 twos. There's Second Nephi chapter 2, verse 2. But if you want to learn more about this, read about the Mormon prophets, David O. McKay, chapter 2 in that book, when he mm -hmm. talks about the duality of mankind. Yes. And then in chapter 22, he talks about agency. Okay. It's the greatest gift we have been given next to life. Mm -hmm. Life's pretty important. Well, then, is it pretty important to begin to steer our own lives and become agents unto ourselves? 
That's the key. And then 9330, D and C, Doctor and Covenants, 9330. Walking encyclopedia. <laughs> okay. Well, these are the few that I use because it's all truth is independent in that sphere which God has placed it to act for itself as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there's no existence. Yes. Are you an intelligence? Yes. Then you're to be as intelligence an independent intelligence. And if not, you don't exist. You're just living your parents' life or your children's life or the world's life or everybody else's. You have to take responsibility for your own life finally. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about this vitally important agency is one of the greatest defensive templates that there is from the white side. Okay. A while ago, I saw a young man who came in to see me, and I've seen this often. And I've been treating him for about a year. And when he first came in, he's been very angry with his parents. And he says that my parents are always controlling me. I said, okay, all right. That's, uh, I know we all feel that until we're fully emancipated. And what we did is we had his mother and father join us in his unconscious in a chair doing some gestalt work Attending and say, I'm, I'm going to get free from you. And he went back and forth. And we've talked about this in the past. He eventually got free from his mom and dad and found that he can love them more than ever. Well, I said to him, now, uh, you have a fiance, yes, and, and she gets angry with me all the time. I just said to her, hey, uh, you might not want to spend money on that. And she quit telling me what to do. You're always telling me what to do. She riled up and got upset. And I said to him, well, that's because she's not free from you yet. You still feel like she's controlling you. You see, remember when you were able to tell your parents, mom and dad, you can keep telling me that all day long, but I'm not going to succumb to it unless I choose to. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this. Are your parents telling you that because they're trying to control you and say, you better eat the vegetables and prove you love me? Or are they doing it because I love you, you idiot? Why do you think I'm telling you to, to do this? Because I love you. I mean, I think it's because my parents love me. I'm sure some people feel that their parents don't love them. (laughs) And they feel controlled and manipulated. And once they get free, they can start to interpret, I got free. Let me go here for just a minute. When I was 12, I started drinking beer. Uh Beer was a wonderful way uh, to play. And if 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 I was cold at night and I had to sleep in a shed, um... If I drank a few cans of beer, I could sleep Uh and I wasn't cold. Uh But as soon as I drank, I said, oh, Father in heaven, I'm such a sinner. Please forgive me. I am being so bad. When I was 12 drinking beer, did I feel like God loved me? No. I didn't feel like he loved me. When I was 16 and I was drinking beer and my principal told me I was white trash and I'd never amount to anything, I'm going to end up in prison one day, did I feel like he loved me? Uh -uh. Did I feel like God loved me? No. When my dad said, you can't come home anymore because if I bring you home, she'll leave and I need her there for the other kids. So mm-hmm. you're, you can't come home. Did I feel like God loved, or excuse me, my father and mother were loving me if I was drinking beer? No. Okay. Well, I got married and my wife said, you got to quit drinking beer. I said, okay, okay, okay. And I quit drinking beer for a couple of years and then I started drinking again. Now that I'm drinking beer, did he love me? Did she love me? Mm-mm. No. So if I drink beer, I'm not loved. But I tried really hard to quit drinking. Okay, I'll quit drinking. I got to quit this. I got to quit drinking this. I've disappointed God. I've disappointed my wife. I've disappointed my parents. Oh, my goodness. And then I moved to a bountiful city. And a bishop came over to the house and he said, Craig, you know, your son is seven years of age. And he's going to be eight years. And he's going to come into the CTR8s. And it would be a good idea if you taught primary. I said, me? I'm a beer drinker. I drink coffee. I smoke cigarettes. What are you talking about? I'm not going to do that. You're crazy. And my wife says, you need to do that. I'm not going to be teaching a class. I walked in the kitchen. My wife falls me, you ought to think about it. It's your son coming into your class in the next couple of months. I came out and said, but you know some mother's going to get mad if I smoke a cigarette and I go to church like that. And he says to me. I don't think that'll happen, but if it does, I'll do it. I think it'd be good for you. You're doing all that child protection work. You told me you had all those dead kids the last couple of months. Uh, this would be good for you to see some he- healthy kids. Yeah. We teach the class. I said, okay, sure. 
So I read the lesson, and I learned a couple of things. One thing I read, this was in Romans, I think, chapter 8, there is nothing on this earth, no power, no government, nothing that can separate God's love from his children. And guess who got to teach those eight-year-olds that? You did. And I told them straight up, you little twits, even if you're a rotten little jerk and you do something stupid in your life, God will never, ever, ever stop loving you. Yeah. He'll always love you. I might hate you, but God will love you. <laughs> now, I don't know if the kids remember it, but I've remembered it ever since. Mm-hmm. Even if I've done stupid stuff, I trusted that God loved me. Now, knowing that God loves me, reading Matthew 22, where the lawyer says, okay, smarty pants, Jesus, what's the great commandment? Mm -hmm. And he says, love God, your neighbor, and yourself. Mm -hmm. And everything of all the prophets hangs on that. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to love myself. I'm supposed to love my neighbors. I'm going to love God. Is that good for them or is it good for me? Who's it better for neurologically? Me loving them, is it good for them or is it better for me? It's better for you. I can love myself. I can love everybody. And then I also in Revelations read, he loves me. Is my cup starting to fill up? So now that I know that I'm loved, guess who hasn't had a drink for 37 years? Because once my cup is full and I know loves me no matter what. So let me go on a little bit further. A little while ago, in the last couple of years, a young man came to see me. He came home from his Mormon mission early. Mm-hmm. He came in to see me depressed. I explained to him some of the stuff. He, he, I said, you've been on a mission. I've never been on it. Well, actually, in the inner city there, I finally got one of those. Anyway, he comes in, and he's telling me about it. And I said, well, God loves you, no matter what. Yeah, but I'm smoking dope and snorting cocaine now and hanging out with my friends again. He still loves you. So he went and told his friends. And his friend came back and said, well, I told all my friends, and we all agree, God loves us so we can keep drinking and raising hell and doing all the stuff we can. Well, of course you can. You can keep doing that. He does love you. Then I had to ask him this. If you have a baby one day, and we're sitting out on the lawn, and your child's four or five, and he heads for the street, and the diesels are running up and down the street, we're sitting on the lawn drinking lemonade, and he heads for the street, you're going to say, he has his agency. He can read to this run to the street. Don't worry about it. He said, well, no. I said, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to say, get your butt back here. Stay out of the street, you little idiot. Come on. What? You're going to tell him he might want to stay out of the street? So God might tell me, Craig, you idiot. You're still drinking beer. You need to quit drinking beer. Your wife's left you five times. It's causing problems and trouble. How many of your friends are alcoholics? How many people have died and been in car wrecks? But how much stuff has happened to you because of that, Craig? I'm going to keep, I still love you. I'm never going to stop loving you, but I'm still going to teach you. So what I said to the one I told you about with his fiance, his girlfriend's offended by everything. I said, then tell him what you've done with your parents. Now you understand that your parents, do they hate you? Are they telling you because they're trying to control you and manipulate you? And they feel, oh, I'm a terrible parent because you're not doing right, which a lot of parents do. They take their personal. Or do they understand your agency? It is your choice, but I'm going to keep telling you to clean up your act and stop doing that because I love you. And when your fiancé understands you're telling him this to control him and manipulate him, or because you think that might be best for him, he still has the right to say, hey, in your ear, one more part of this, and then I'll be quiet about this. Since Christmas, I have seen three mothers come into my office with this idea. I'm falling apart. What's up? My son. What about your son? He's 40 years of age. Okay. What's going on? Well, he's left his spouse. He's kept the kids. He won't let me see the kids. He stopped by and told us all he's never going to talk to us again, and he's abandoned us. He says he's freer than he's ever been in his entire life. He's happier than he's ever been. Life is so great. He's never been so free. He says, my life is so satisfied because I'm freer than I've ever been in my life. It's wonderful. I said, wow, good. He's finally learned about agencies, learning to get free. He said, but he's he's left his spouse. He's he's He won't come and see us. I won't even get to see my kids. This is horrible. This is killing me. It's your fault. I said, 
it's my fault because you've been telling people about this agency stuff, this independence of thought. I said, sure, but agency by itself is narcissistic. Agency is selfish, but you add love to it. I still love you. Well, he's not going to have anything to do with this because he feels so controlled. But he says he's freer than he's ever been in his life. He's freer than he's ever been in his life. That's what he says. Okay. You, you know his number? Yeah. Put it, call him his number and have him use his phone. He said, what? You're going to talk to him? <laughs> well, you said he's free. I just want to congratulate him on his freedom. What are you going to tell him? I'm going to put him on the phone. I'm going to say, Jimmy, I understand you got free. Way to go. You're finally free. Hallelujah. Now that you're truly free in your heart, in your soul, not in the red, but in the white, now that you're finally free, not by running away and leaving, but in your heart, I'm not going to let them control. Get your butt over and visit your mom and dad and love the hell out of them and adore them and cherish them. Call up your ex and tell you still love her pieces more than ever. Because if you're truly free, you can do that. What you're doing is you're thinking agency is a red thing. Let's run away. I haven't spoken to you. This happened to me a couple of years ago. A woman came up to me at a wedding and she said, you know, Craig, I've read your stuff. I've heard about your stuff. And I'm probably one of the freest person I've ever met in my life. I said, well, wonderful, good. You're really free. And she said, yeah, I have not spoken to my mother in 20 years. Yeah, that's not. That <laughs> I, said, I said, wait, wait, wait. You're free? I didn't want to mess up her, her family's wedding or anything. But if you're free, why didn't she, she go visit her mother yeah, and quit letting mother's... her mother mess with her? That's what I want to tell now. No, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. You wanted to ask me a whole bunch of questions. I just wanted to finish it. No, I think that's good. I think a lot of people do think that's what getting free is. It's literally putting up walls or running away or that's removing red. yourself. That's Freudian defense mechanisms. That's red ways of protecting ourselves. The agency, the key to agency is a white principle. It's something that you do inside and you're so free. People can yell at you, scream at you, do everything and say, they have that right to call me names. But am I going to let it affect me? No. That's what I had to do with my mother. When she told me, I hate your guts, I'm throwing your butt out, I and I hated her. I was the the carnal, temporal, defensive template. Run away from home. Stay away from her. If she looked at me, I'd grip my teeth. If she talked to me, if she touched me, I felt like acid touching my back. I hated her with a passion. Being Living in the, up in the mountains or wherever I could when dad would leave town, and then he'd come and bring me home, and then she'd throw me out again. I hated her with a passion. I will never let her affect me. Yeah. And then I got free from her. A miracle happened one day that I was free. I knew that I wasn't free by never going and visiting her. I knew I was free inside of me. I'm not going to let my mom's stuff mess with me anymore. Not right away, but once I knew I was free, I found I am so free. I can love that woman. Mm -hmm. I went over and cut her lawn and she'd yell, what are you doing out here? Get off my yard. I put a new roof on the house. Get out of here. I said, I don't care. I, I'm not letting your stuff mess with me. Maybe you remember this. I learned to just call when people have pathology that we all think, well, that guy's a jerk. Or that. I don't call it a jerk. I said, purple. Yeah. She was purple. Mm -hmm. We're not going to let her purple mess with us. Yeah. The first miracle was that. Get free. That's number one. I put it in this order. If you try to love before you're free, it's very difficult to do. But if you can get free from them first and know I'm not going to let them hurt me anymore, then you can love them. And now yeah. one, one more part. Can I go on or did you yeah. want to? Okay. You asked me to tell this story. Yeah. When I was a boy, I was about 13. I was a scout. And on Tuesday nights, we went to what they called mutual Mm -hmm. And the scouts would hang out together, and sometimes we'd go to the scoutmaster's house. So one time we went to his house, and we we learned about scoutmaster stuff, and we were all leaving. And he said, "Well, where are you headed?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm just going home." He said, "You're going home?" I said, "Well, no." He says, "Where are you going tonight?" And I said, "Well, I probably sleep at the park, or you know, I got a place up up the road here." I, he said, "What? Why aren't you going home?" And I said, "Well, my mom um, won't let me live home." And he said, "You can't live home." says, then just apologize. Forgive her. You need to forgive your mother. I said, forgive her? I'll tell you what. I'll call your mother. You sleep on the couch tonight. 
next, he told me next morning, I talked to your mom. You can go home. You need to forgive her. Okay, I'll forgive her. And I forgave her. I'll ask you, have you ever forgiven somebody? And then a couple of days later, they bloody your nose and throw you out on the street again. Mm-hmm. And you're told to forgive her again. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about forgiving her? Not interested. <laughs> have you ever forgiven somebody 10 times? Mm, no. After four or five, <laughs> you stop forgiving? Yeah, I'm just this not is, done with that person in my life, that the, season of my life. This is the miracle. I want to, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I call it one, two, and three on the first three list of the white defensive templates. The first, I'm going to get free. The second, I found I could even love her because I wouldn't let her hurt me anymore. Mm-hmm. I just said, I'm sorry, she's so purple. I And I started to have empathy for, I heard one story about some of the horrible things she went as a child. She never told me. My dad told me. Did I talk, tell the story? You, ha- I don't think you've talked about her childhood. This is a story that my father told me. When she was about 10, her father, my grandfather on that side of the family, was a drunk. Mm-hmm. He was at the bartender. He called home, said, you come and get me in the car. She said, Daddy, I can't drive. I'm 10 or 11. He said, you get your butt down to this bar in that car, and you come and get me and drive me home. So she got in the car, and somehow she drove the car to the bar, picked him up, drove home, pulled it into the driveway, and he said, pull it in the garage. I said, I can't pull it in the garage. It's it's too small. I I, Grandpa, Dad, I can't do this. Pull the blankety-blank in the car. I'll be. She pulled in the car, hit the gas, not the brake, and drove right through the back of it, wrecked the garage, and he, as I was told, damn near beat her to death. When I started to understand that my mother had those kinds of lenses that may have affected her for a lot of years, all of a sudden I just said, I love her. She's got some serious purple stuff. I hope one day she can get that fixed. I'm going to love her. And the miracle came. Once you've loved, you're free and you love them. What about forgiveness? It's a piece of cake because am I going to let her hurt me anymore? Mm-mm. Am I going to love her and have empathy for her? Yes. And when she does it again, can I just say, mom, I still forgive you. Yeah. I can let it go like that. Now let's talk about this, not for her, but when I started developing, I can get free from all the stupid stuff I've done. I learned that from Jesus Christ, he will atone and wash everything off me. All I have to do is hand it to him and tell him, I'm going to do my best not doing it anymore. And even if I slip again, will he forgive me next week if I slip again? Yes. A hundred times? Yes. Or does he say, if you go to 101 times of drunkenness, I won't forgive you the 101st? Well, I believe he will forgive you. I know a lot of people are taught, you know, well, you can't keep doing it. You can't keep, you know, I mean, you know, they talk about like planned repentance, which I don't think people plan on sinning again, but I think people think they need to be perfect and you can't be perfect. So plan on sinning again. You're actually going to. So why can't they be perfect? Because of the soul is made up of a body and a spirit, the duality of mankind. And the duality of mankind is the plan of God where you struggle Who's best? Where are we healthiest? When I'm run more by the white or by the red? By the white. And I spent the first 30 years of my life ran by the red until I started to understand that this white, and then I came back to my faith and I started going to the, to the LDS church, the Mormons back there where I'd started. And all of a sudden I realized, well, even though some of the people that I met said, God would hate me, and I've disappointed God. I've disappointed your parents. I've disappointed everybody. Oh, no, you're never loved. And I realized, no, in the primary class, no matter what you do, he's never going to stop loving you. And once you know that you're loved, but now let's go back to what I just ended. The three things I talked about, agency, agency, love, love, and and forgiveness. If I've created that neural pathway with her, when I look in the mirror, 
what happens? You probably love yourself a little bit more. A little bit more? Can I know that God loves me? Can I love me? Can I be be done with those things if I got done with her and those things? And this is how you get free from all of it. And this is number four, gratitude. Because what you come to realize, what we already read, all thine afflictions shall be consecrated for the gain. For years I was filled with anger and hatred and resentment. I was foul and profane and drunk and all these kinds of things because I was using all the temporal defensive templates that I learned to protect myself. But as I started to understand, I can learn these white things that I got free from my mother. I got free from all of these things that had happened to me. Uh, my my principal, the, the other people that I felt offended me, I got free from them. I forgave them. And this is the key, Libby. I got to say this. The only way you get free from anything is to turn the crap to wisdom. And that takes you to number four, which is I can actually have gratitude for what I went through as a child. What she put me through has forced me to grow into the man that I've become. And I love me today more than I ever did when I was 30. You can, I had no concept of that at 30. But at almost 72 now, I'm starting to recognize I really do like me. I really do love me. And I know God loves me. Do I still swear? Yeah, sorry. I, do I still do stupid stuff? Yeah. I'm trying to live mostly in the white, but I've also found if my wife's upset with me or somebody offends me on the road, I can still go back to the animal, the temple. Well, that mother, blah, blah, blah. I know how to say those words really well, but now I go, dude, sorry, man. I'm not going to let it affect me. Have a good day. I love you, dude. <laughs> I'm, and you're not smoking weed. So, Okay, so the question I was wanting to ask okay, you that kind of, I don't know if it, how to fit it in really, but um, I'm thinking of, so you're the person drinking, okay? You're the one who is struggling, who, you know, doesn't want much to do with the church or, or whatever. And you're married to this wife who is just watching you going, you need to stop this. When are you going to stop this? Why da 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 da? But there are some wives who can look at their husband and be like, oh, I hope you figure this out sometime. Because like, it is their stuff, but luck. she's taking it personally. But, or not even that they're taking it personally. I mean, you're raising a family. You're wanting your spouse to be a different, better example or, um, you know, father or, have, you know, be more involved, um, in the church or whatever. And so I think I'm thinking of like the partner in this, whether it's a wife or a husband who is watching a spouse, we talked about parent, like parents watching this with their kids and wanting them to change. And, and it feels like they're controlling them, right? Because, yeah, maybe they just love them and want them to change because they love them so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what if they don't care if they change? Yeah, I hope you figure this out eventually. I'm not, I, I mean, like in my mind, I think, yeah, let's try to look how Christ would look at it. Like, I love you no matter what. I'll forgive you a thousand times over and over and over. But in a marriage, that can be very difficult for then you some don't, people. And you don't have to stay there. But let's have you try this on. You demonstrate it so these people can listen to you go through this, okay? okay. Let's imagine right now, this isn't happening, but we're going to pretend you're married to a guy who's drinking like a fish, staying out all night, drinking, raising hell, partying all the time, and you hate it because he comes home I'm drunk. married to myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So I'd like you to put your husband over there, okay. and we're first going to protect yourself with the first, the, uh, the the temporal, the animalistic defensive templates. Yeah, okay. I'm not talking to him. <laughs> I I'm hate you. I'm ignoring him. Tell him, I'm not talking I'm to not you. I'm not talking to you. I'm ignoring you. You don't exist to me right now. We live in the same house. You're hurting me. And that's it. You're hurting me. You're, you're hurting our you're, children. You're lying to me. You're lying. You're betraying us. You're betraying You're us. destroying our family. You're destroying I our hate family. your guts. I hate your guts. You need to change. You need to change. Okay. Now I want you to be and try the white defensive templates. 
Okay. Do you want me to give you the lines or do you think you can try and start with one? Oh, yeah. No, I can do it. The first one is you get to live your life. And I'm I'm not going to let I'm your stuff ruin let my day your anymore. Stuff ruin my day. I'm, gonna- I'm not going to be affected by it. Ugh, how how do you not be affected? I'm not going to be affected. I'm going to just watch you destroy your life and be fine. <laughs> no, hey God, we got to back up here. Keep on it, but let's go. Where, let, you jumped off track, so let's go okay. off track for a minute. Okay. If you take a squirrel and you put a bunch of le- levers in the cage, a long tube, it's a ten foot long tube, and at every two feet you put a lever that's in there. And there's a, a a food tablet that drops in. If he rings, hits the lever, the tablet drops in. Right? Oh, like a like a rat. In yeah, a rat cage. runs okay, down. Okay, a rat hits okay. the lever. A food rat drops hits in. the lever and food drops in. Okay. okay, and he runs up and down. He fattens up on all of them. Okay, okay, and then what happens? You hit the lever. And he, he doesn't get fed. Nothing comes up. Does he okay. just go, hmm? Or does he go, what? Well, and he goes, yeah, and he, he goes, pounds, pounds at it, jumps on it. He goes and feeds himself on the other four that has left. Okay, that's fine. And then a couple of weeks later, you shut down the second one. What? And he goes crazy on that one. He's getting nervous, but he still has three others. So eventually he runs down to the next three. And then you stop the third one. Whoa, now he's getting really crazy. And then the fourth, a couple of weeks later, the fourth, oh, now he's running up and down the cage, but he can still eat all he wants at the fifth one. Okay, he stays there. And then what happens? He doesn't get a fifth one. But what you do is you put this tube about a mile long. You take it out through the house, across the street, over the hospital, through every room in the hospital, up over this road. I'll bring it all the way back here. And it ends right here. And right here, you paint a lever white. Okay. The rat's going crazy on the first five, but he's starving. What does he do? Goes to the next lever. He might go, and even though it's a mile away, he might finally get there. Mm-hmm. And he hits it. Finally, I'm fed. It's wonderful. You understand? Is that right? Yes. Okay. But connect that to the human because I'm. Don't We're staying understand. with rats. We're going to go to humans <laughs> in just a minute. <laughs> you you, okay. you want to stay, yeah, I just stay on course for a minute. Okay. <laughs> this is making sense. Okay. He feeds up. Does he stay there? Um, is it empty? No. He oh, still yeah, there. he'll stay there. You think he would, but some rats are so stupid. You know what they'll do? Run off. They'll run all the way back to see if the others still work. Oh, okay. And they'll find, oh, no. And after, some will make two or three trips. Some will make one trip. It's a long trip. I'm not going to make it. But some of them will come back just to check it. Because okay. the neural pathway has been put into the brain. This works if I do this, right? But eventually, if he doesn't get anything for this, we extinguish the behavior. This is true with human beings. If a a mosquito keeps going this way and gets killed or gets hurt or doesn't get fed, it starts flying a different way. A plant, if it... You close the blind and it doesn't get the sunlight, it's going to switch and go to the light, light up in the room. That this is a basic thing of living experience, plants and animals, that if it doesn't get anything for that, it goes someplace else. Now, he's still getting something for drinking. My guess would be, I don't have to deal with any pain. If my wife's screaming at me, I just get drunk. Yeah. If I lose my job, I don't care. I just get drunk. Yeah. But if I no longer get fed, I no longer get my wife, I no longer. So let's go back now and use the second, not the first list of defensive templates of you dirty rat. Let's go to the white ones. Now I'd like okay. you to tell them again. I'm not going to be, let um, your stuff affect me. Yeah, I'm not going to let your stuff bother me. This has hurt me enough. It's hurt me enough. I'm done. I'm done. And I still love you. I still love you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hug. I'll give you a hug. But if you're demonstrating dysfunctional behavior. But if you're demonstrating dysfunctional behavior. Drinking. Drinking. I'm not going to be out. there. Yeah. I may divorce you. I may divorce you. I may leave you. I may leave you. I may withdraw and stay in the other room. I may stay in the other room. Stop by once in a while and still tell you, I still love you. Yeah. Well, I can't believe you. You, you knew I was a drunk. You knew. <laughs> What's the best way to help him? The first way, and not just help him, but help yourself. The first way or the second way. The red defensive templates or the white defensive the templates. The white. But you, I absolutely agree because you jumped off track. Huh, this is impossible. You can't do this. 
we really can because I will promise you, you're already doing that as you're raising your children. You're learning that when they engage in this behavior, they're not going to get anything for that. And they will quickly extinguish that behavior. But what they'll do is they'll fight with you. They'll scream that they can get you to yell at them, whatever, because being yelled at or being loved still affects you. Positive or negative doesn't matter. Yeah, It's just that it has an effect. But when you truly become an agent in yourself, I'm not going to be affected. I'll ask this question. Does God let his drunkenness make God crazy? No. Does he still love the kid? He does. Profoundly and adore him and cherish him? Yeah. And keeps telling him, I'm still going to love you. Now ask this. If he's still scoring hookers and snorting cocaine and drinking beer and doing all that crazy stuff, can he go and live with his father again? No. He has to change that pathway? Yes, Create new pathways mm-hmm. or sometimes referred to as repentance. Mm-hmm. We're going to put the list, not today, but in the weeks to come, we're going to put literally repentance is one of the most profound defensive templates that there is too. We're going to talk about service. What happens when you're doing something for somebody else? What does it do to you neurologically when you start doing and serving other people? What about charity? Gratitude. Yeah. So you talk to him in two ways. The first way was the temporal defensive templates. You're a jerk. I hate your guts. You're hurting. You're ripping my guts out. I can't stand. I can't live like this anymore because I'm so hurt by what you're doing. All of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the white way, the temporal is, uh, the, the spiritual is, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to let your garbage stuff hurt me anymore. I'll still love you, and and I'm sorry it's hurting you, but I'm going to do my best to not let it ruin me, and I'm going to adore and cherish you anyway, okay? Now, I'd like you – you can't move over there, so I'd like you to just – I can move. Okay. Take that with you. Okay. Okay. You're now the husband. Okay. So the first way I'm going to respond is temporarily. I hate Jimmy. He's an a-hole. Screw you. Not talking to you anymore. Okay. I'm going to use all the temporal, call him names, hate his guts, be angry with him all the time, all the stuff that the squirrel does, fighting, squealing, doing all kinds of stuff because it's ripping my guts out. You're ruining my life. My problems are because of you. You're such a drunk, all of that stuff. Okay. So now I'm Jimmy. Jimmy, did you hear what your wife just said? Yes. How are you feeling about what your wife just said? Uh, Bad. Really bad. How's your gut right now? Awful. Are you hurting? Yes. Yeah. Now, do you think that you'll change because of that? Um, I mean, I want to, but so, yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, I want to change because that makes me feel bad and I don't like feeling bad. However, I like drinking. So, and now that you're hurting, does booze eliminate your pain? Yes. Is one of your best DTs, drugs, alcohol, booze, even a medication that we might take yeah. that keeps us away from our pain? Even right? my phone, being on my phone, disconnecting, getting Duck away. Duck fishing, all kinds yeah. of things. You're going to do everything you can to protect yourself, right? Yeah. So is that going to help you change? If your uh, life is no. miserable, <laughs> how many people try to lose weight when they say, I hate me and I'm going to hate myself so much that I'll finally lose weight? Yeah. But when I work with people to help lose weight, what do I tell them? You got to start loving you just the way you are. And once your cup is full, you say, I know I'm cup full. I don't have to eat today. I'm happy. Yeah. Now, now we're going to go, Jimmy, to the second things that she just said. Okay. I'm Libby, and I'm going to tell Jimmy, Jimmy, you are dumb and making dumb choices, and I'm not going to let that bother me anymore. (laughs) I love you, even though you're making dumb choices. <laughs> First, number one, I'm going to get free from the stupid stuff you're doing. I'm going to get free from the stupid I'll stuff. I'll demonstrate that to you. I'll demonstrate that How to you. How to get free from goofy stuff. How to get free from goofy stuff. It's what you need to do with me. Jimmy, it's what you need to do with me. With your mom and dad. With your mom and dad. And all the other people that and affect all you. all the other people. Watch me. Watch me. I'm learning to think independently also. I'm learning to think independently. And I'm not going to let your stuff make me crazy anymore. And I'm not going to let your stuff make me crazy I'm trying to demonstrate to you how to do the same. 
I'm trying to demonstrate how to you how to do the same. To get free from all the things you do. To get free from all the things you do. That cause you to go down those red defensive templates. cause you to go drink and do those red defensive templates. So first, I'm not going to let your stuff mess with me anymore. Okay. I'm not going to let it mess with me. And I'm going to absolutely adore and cherish you. And I'm going to absolutely adore and cherish you. I might even put my arm around you. Mm, I might even put my arm around you. I might. I'm going (laughs) to love you. I will. And I'm going to put my arms around you and say, I still love you. you. I still love you. And I'm going to reassure you how much I love you. I'm going to reassure you how much I love you. But if you're doing the drinking. But if you're doing the drinking. I'm going to be in the other room. I'm going to be in the other room. That's. I'm not going to be around that. I'm not going to be around it. I still love you. But I still love you. I know you I know you know you need to stop this. I know you know you need to stop this. But just like God, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop loving you. Yeah, but just like God, I'm not gonna stop loving I'm you. I'm gonna keep loving you. I'm gonna keep loving you. I may not live with you anymore. I may not live with you anymore. But I may. And I'm still gonna love you. And I'm still gonna love you. And do all I can to assist you. And do all I can to assist you. Over to Jimmy. Jimmy, did you hear what she said this time? Yeah, wow. Which do you think might be more effective in assisting you in the struggles that you have? The first way she talked to you or the second way? Uh, The second way. Really? Mm -hmm. Hmm, Ain't that something? Now, is that good for you? Yes. Could that actually be good for her? Yes. And if you could learn to do the same thing with all the other people you deal with, the stuff that you're packing around from your childhood, your mom, your dad, and all that kind of stuff, if you could learn from her, could that actually assist you? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I want to emphasize. Okay, yeah. All right. Marriage saved. Mic drop. (laughs) Oh, that was a joke. Marriage not actually saved. It's just a metaphor, some tools to help you out. We're going to go ahead and wrap that podcast right there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the messages you guys send in. Um, If you do enjoy this podcast and want to support it, we would love a review on iTunes. And... Also, if you're telling your family or friends to listen, thank you so much. And make sure you tell them to listen in order. It just helps put all the pieces together in the puzzle the right way. Have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening. See ya.